So, so today is the 19th of April 2022. So when we chant, we recollect the virtues of the fully self-awakened Buddha. And by doing this, it gives us great uh, benefit. If we chant with mindfulness, if we do that, then perhaps while we're chanting, the mind will calm, calm down, it will become still, and it will become joyful and contented. And during the day, if we have the opportunity, if we have the time, then we can recollect these meditation words of Buddha or Dhammo or Sangha, or if there's a certain chant that we feel comfortable with, then we can chant that. And so, like this chant of Itipiso, the full chant of the recollection of the Buddha. And that can settle the mind down, bring it to stillness for people who have faith, who have this belief. And for those who have wisdom, however, they can use contemplation and reflect upon the Buddha. Uh, the one who knows, the awakened one, the joyful one. And how is it that he was awakened? How does he know? How is he joyful? And how can we become ones who know, ones who are awake and ones who are joyful? So if we have delusion, which is controlling the mind, overpowering the heart, and then there's darkness there, there's a lack of knowledge. And it's as if our minds are asleep. Even though our eyes may be open, even though we may be walking around or sitting or standing, doing various things, still our minds are sleeping, they're not awake. And so we see how when our bodies are asleep or awake, those are two different states. And those people who are awake and truly awakened, those are the ones whose minds are very bright. So we see that when we close our eyes, then there's darkness. But when we open our eyes, then we're able to see various things around us. And our hearts are just the same. And see that the heart that is lacking brightness, that's gloomy, and the heart that has knowledge, these are two different states. So if the people born into this world and who are able to study this, to know this, and this shows that they have a lot of merit, a lot of skillfulness to them. Because they know that none of us stay in this world for a long time. But if this is something that we never reflect on, then we just stay lost. And when we become aware of this fact, then we're close to our death already. But those with intelligence will see this first. They'll see how it's like we're staying on a house that's on fire. And we need to find a way out. We just can't stay there anymore because it's suffering. And so when we see the harm, the drawbacks in old age, sickness and death, then we need to seek for a way out of this. 
But if we just stay as we are, we don't do anything, then we'll die deluded. So for us, we've met with the Dhamma, the teachings of the Buddha. And these teachings are able to bring us out of the state, able to take us out of suffering. But while we're still here, we have these bodies, then these minds come and depend on these bodies, and these bodies in turn need to depend on the elements, or are formed of the elements. And we're fortunate in that there's a lot of oxygen in the world. It's not something that we need to fight over. There aren't any wars that are started due to oxygen. And we also don't need to fight over water either. Uh, but now people are fighting over other natural resources. They're fighting over energy. And for those people who see the drawbacks in this, the harm in harming one another, and who see the benefit in keeping this first precept of not taking any life, and then these are people who bring about happiness. And if everyone could keep this first precept, then the world would be a happy and peaceful place. But it's when people are lacking in loving-kindness that the whole world turns chaotic. And this is a matter of kamma, our actions. Uh, but for us Buddhists, we need to find a way out of this. Because we see that the world, it's just chaotic like that. That's just how it is. And just these bodies of ours, they're quite difficult things. We need to feed them, we need to give them water, we need to clothe them, we need to shelter them. And this already gives us a certain level of chaos. But it's very few, the number of people who don't cause any harm to one another. And just how the Buddha taught that on a cow or a bull there are just two horns. But how many hairs are there? So we can compare it to the people in this world and those who are interested in practicing the Dhamma. And you don't harm one another. They're very difficult to find. But for those who have wisdom, they're able to see that whatever the case, whatever we do, these bodies need to break apart. They need to deteriorate. But even though we can see that, still we don't really see this truth. We don't really accept it. So what we need to do is to train our minds so that they develop wisdom. And we keep our thoughts within these bounds. We don't allow our thoughts to stray off into harming other people, into um, ill will towards others. And so we develop peace like this. And eventually this gathers into the peace of samadhi, and the samadhi then develops into wisdom. But in the beginning, there's just chaos in our practice. There isn't any peace. And so it depends upon this training, because the mind that is trained well already, and this will give us little suffering, and the happiness that we experience will grow. So we need to follow up on these minds, 
looking over them, taking care of them, so that they can be freed from suffering. This snare of Mara, the suffering, they can get freed from that. So by chanting, by meditating, we gain a lot of benefit from those activities. And the, one of the things we gain is the stillness of mind and samadhi, this collectedness. So it's just like a tree, and the sapwood of that tree is very important, because it's close to the heartwood. You see that the um, generosity that we do, this barami of generosity, the barami of virtue, sila, and these are like the leaves and the bark of the tree. And a tree needs leaves and bark to be complete. If it just had sapwood and heartwood, then it wouldn't be able to survive. So it's the same with Buddhism. It needs all of these aspects. If there was no generosity, then Buddhism wouldn't be able to survive. And just like that tree, it can't survive without leaves. If it didn't have any leaves, it wouldn't look fresh. And so, the same with this sasana, that without generosity it can't survive. It needs to depend upon the great sacrifices of many people, of those who have faith in Buddhism. And this is a very important foundation. And so there are these two qualities of generosity and of virtue. But we also need to bring about knowledge within our minds as well. And for this we need to have mindfulness and samadhi and wisdom. And these qualities of mindfulness and wisdom, they help to guide our minds, to look over our minds, so that they don't think off to the left or to the right, so that they have knowledge. And so that it's able, these qualities are able to keep the mind within peace. And these factors of jhana, of uh, vitaka, vichara, piti, sukha, ekakada, so this initial and sustained application of the mind, and rapture, and happiness, and one-pointedness, this first jhana that we meet, it's not everyone who is able to get into jhanas. But what we focus on doing is just bringing up our meditation objects, recollecting those, so that the mind gets into a peaceful state. And if it's able to get into kanaka samadhi, this minor form of samadhi, that's already very good. Even though it's just a small amount of samadhi, the mind still fills up with that. And it's a very uh, good starting place. And then eventually the mind gathers more stillness, gets more and more calm, to the point where both the body and the mind feel very buoyant. It gets into upajara, or neighborhood samadhi. So if we sit for long periods, and the mind experiences peace for just five minutes, then we can feel a great sense of pride in that, that we really are able to bring these minds to peace. But it does depend on, it requires time as well. But we also need to be cautious here too, because sometimes when we can get the mind into some state of samadhi, and then someone comes 
and disturbs us and we leave that state, then we can get quite annoyed with them. So we need to be careful there because this isn't yet wisdom that's arising in us. We see how it's so difficult to bring about states of samadhi and then someone comes and does something which is disturbing and we feel annoyed by that, we don't like that. And so there's a lack of wisdom here. But eventually we'll gain an understanding that it's just normal, that peace arises, stays for a bit and ceases just in its normal way. But in the beginning it's hard to see that. So for those who see the drawbacks in the cycle of birth and death, samsara, they come to train themselves. They see the harm there within a mind which is chaotic and confused. So they see how they need to train this mind. And this brings about inner peace, this training. It brings about energy to our hearts. And when we have this peace and energy, then that allows us to contemplate into nature. You see how most of us like beautiful things. If we're building a house, we try to build that very beautifully, and then we look after it so that it's nice and clean. So that there isn't anything there which feels kind of aggravating to our minds, which obstructs our minds. And so it's a suitable place for us. And for those people who are of the tendency to get angry easily, then this is suitable for them to be around nice, pleasant, beautiful things. Because if, there's, if there are things around them that are aggravating, that they don't like, then uh, it's difficult for meditation to progress. And for those people who are of a tendency more towards lust, then they need to stay in places where there aren't so many beautiful things, and so that their minds don't get stirred up. And so it depends upon an individual's characteristics and traits. But for whatever the case, we try to train ourselves and so that these minds become awakened. There's this awakened nature that grows within them and they experience joy. Because nature and Dhamma is already revealed. It's just that when Sila, Samadhi and Panya gather together, then that's when we see. That's when we see into the Dhamma. So if the Dhamma was something that we really needed to seek out in order to find, then it would be very difficult. But the truth is that the Dhamma is always open and revealed. It's just like dropping a needle into the ocean. If we had to search for that, try to find it, it would be very hard. But that's not the case with the Dhamma, that it's already here, it's already open and revealed. It's just that we need to give rise to wisdom within ourselves. We need to establish our samadhi well, and then we can see the truth. And through that, the suffering we experience steadily reduces. So throughout the day, we should try to have a lot of mindfulness. Even though we may think 
about the future, we should try and put that down and stay in the present moment. There may be memories and thoughts about the past, but we lay those aside and try to keep the mind here in the present moment. And we do that a lot, training our minds like this. And so may you all be sincere in this. And then when the mind gathers together, sila, samadhi and panya arise and become bright, then that's when we gain energy. That's the point where we see the Dhamma right there. The mind becomes bright and clear. And so may all of you set your hearts on this.